We're back again. It's Chase and Josh with Factor Fantasy. That's Chase. I'm Josh, and we're here to give you the final episode in Season 1 of the Ahsoka series here today. It is Episode 8. This is where it all comes uh, full circle here for the very first season of Ahsoka. Really excited to bring it to you. I was the one to take us through Episode 7 last week, so Chase is going to be in the driver's seat for Episode 8 today to close us out. Then obviously next week we do have our rankings episode on Season 1 of Ahsoka. But before we get there, we got to get through today. So I'll turn the floor over to Chase to say a few words, and we'll get started. Yeah, man, a badass climax today. We're at the peak of the mountain. Let's get it going, man. Malice in the chalice. Cheers, brother. Cheers, man. Cool. So we start the episode off, and we first have Thrawn and Morgan. And Morgan tells Thrawn that the cargo transfer is complete. And Thrawn commands Enoch to bring the Eye of Sion out of high orbit and begin the interlocking procedure the ship and Enoch tells Thrawn that the comm scan believes they have found the Jedi's shuttle location and Thrawn orders two TIE fighters to dispatch and engage if they find them <clears throat> Morgan then tells Thrawn that there is nothing that the Jedi can do to stop them and Thrawn reminds her about the rebellion and says even if I fell victim to their heroics of a single Jedi never again once again not underestimating his opponents and then the great mothers, the witches, tell Morgan that she will be rewarded because of the following dreams that they uh, gave her that led them to the destination they're at. And the gift is the gift of shadows. And at this moment, the great mothers ask Morgan if she's prepared and if she pledges herself to the sisterhood, the magics and the old ways. And if she abandons her old life and loyalty, and Morgan agrees, and then the lead great mother, the witch, places her hand around Morgan's head and ignites it in this like orange flame. And Morgan's head is like basically caught in this like supernatural fire and it turns into green flame. And Morgan's screaming and her eyes turn black. And then the great mother, mother's moaning are like in this circle and the green flame burns in the center. And then a sword is conjured out of it. And the great mothers say, this is the blade of Talzin. Take it, sister. And she takes it. And Morgan's eyes are black at this point. She's very similar to how the great mothers are. And Morgan takes the blade and it emits green flame. And she bows to the great mothers. The TIE fighters that are dispatched are dispatched behind Theron. And then Ezra, cutting over to him, he's with Hu Yang. And he's constructing his lightsaber. And Hu Yang scolds Ezra on his lightsaber building and says, Who taught you to build a lightsaber anyways? And then uh, and then he's saying, you know, you're supposed to have a method, not a process. And Ezra is criticizing him on this. And Sabine interrupts and says, Canon Jarrus, like almost like, <laughs> you know, saying, well, this is who his master was. So... He definitely gets some credit here. And then Hu Yang says, oh, that makes sense because I taught him how to build his lightsaber. And I taught almost every Jedi youngling how to build a lightsaber at the Jedi Temple. And Ezra says, how old are you anyways? And Hu Yang says, old enough to know that the relationship between a Jedi master and an apprentice is a challenging as it is meaningful. And Hu Yang hands Ezra a lightsaber and uh, says, I took the one. 
cannon, the other he held on to. But this one, it's proper that you should have it. And he hands him a piece of lightsaber. And Ezra attaches the other piece, and it ignites. And it has a blue lightsaber. And Hu Yang says, well done. Looks like you are a great student. Good student. And Ezra says, hey, Sabine, Ahsoka ever teach you how to? And then Sabine's gone behind them. And Ezra asks Yu Yang what happened between Ahsoka and Sabine. And Yu Yang tells Ezra that Ahsoka was afraid that Sabine was training as a Jedi for the wrong reasons after what happened on Mandalore, where at the end of the war, the Empire purged the entire surface of the planet, killing hundreds of thousands where her family was all lost. And at the time, Ahsoka felt that if Sabine unlocked her potential, she would become dangerous. And Ahsoka at this time sees Sabine on the outside of the ship and Ahsoka congratulates her for the gamble paying off and they actually finding Ezra and Ahsoka tells Sabine Anakin never abandoned her so she will never abandon Sabine I find that a little ironic but sure <laughs> so then Ahsoka asks Sabine if she's kept up with her training and she tells her to train the body and the mind and trust in the force and the two TIE fighters at this moment are attacking from above and Ahsoka's ship becomes damaged, and it begins to crash. But Ahsoka and Ezra jump below deck and hold it up with the Force. And the two TIE fighters are maneuvering back and forth, shooting blasts at the ship. And Sabine engages. And then the ship blasts off. Uh, she flies the ship and blasts it off through the two TIE fighter ships, exploding them into pieces. And then Sabine's ship's ship crash lands. And Sabine and Hu Yang uh, emerge from the crash unharmed. And at this moment, we're cutting over to Enoch. And Enoch reports to Thrawn that the Jedi ship was destroyed, but they lost contact with the two TIE fighters. And Thrawn says, it's acceptable. The Jedi options are now limited, so they should prepare for a ground assault immediately. Almost like knowing they were going to sacrifice those two TIE fighters and men anyways. And Ahsoka, Ezra, and Sabine ride off on howlers as Hu Yang and the Nodi crabs work on the ship to repair it. And then Morgan commands stormtroopers to dispatch after Ahsoka, Sabine, and Ezra. And Ahsoka, Ezra, and Sabine arrive at Thrawn's starship. Thrawn watches on a map as Enoch tells him that the Jedi approaching from the north, and Thrawn says, will then rain hellfire upon them. There will be no negotiating with the young apprentice of Anakin Skywalker. And Ahsoka, Ezra, and Sabine dash forward on Howlers, trying to get to Thrawn's starship, as blasters from the spaceship of Thrawn rain down from below, above. And they're using the Force altogether to try to push open the door in front of them to get on the ship as explosions are occurring and laser blasters shooting down on them. And then Thrawn commands Morgan to dispatch uh, the night troopers in uh, that he'll inform the Great Mother that it's time. And Ahsoka, Sabine, and Ezra are then ambushed when they get on the ship by 12 stormtroopers. And at this point, they're deflecting blasts with their lightsabers, and Sabine is getting hit and firing back, and Ezra uses the Force to push the group away. And Ahsoka and Ezra um, eventually charge and cut down the rest of the group, and so they survive. But then the great mothers begin rec reciting this chant. And I thought this was interesting because I always write down the strange language. It doesn't mean much. But it's uh, Lucina Vadme Clav Clavlane, 
Blinye Vidi Nalim Korim. Blinye Vidi Nalim Korim. Vio Suskos Konos Lama. Limo Tagu Arise. And actually, if you look that up, there's actually this thing called the Star Wars Wookiee Encyclopedia. I looked that up. That's actually called the Chant of the Dead, and that's kept in the Jedi Temple. So that's actually really interesting. So at this moment, though, all the dead stormtroopers begin coming back to life. Almost like that, you know, that Night King moment <laughs> with all the dead when he lifted his hands. And uh, they're all around Ahsoka, Ezra, and Sabine. And Sabine, Ahsoka, and Ezra are forced to run up the stairs as the storm zombie stormtroopers are coming after them and firing upon them. And Ezra grabs a trooper and Sabine shoots two troopers behind, but they're holding Ezra and she can't get a clean shot. And she pulls out her saber and stabs the trooper through the chest. And Ahsoka commands Sabine to seal the door as they deflect blast from the troopers. And Sabine cuts the lock and the stone door slams closed. And then the starship begins the interlocking procedure. Morgan tells Thrawn that they are ready to depart, so they're running out of time. Thrawn tells Morgan that the Jedi are advancing swiftly and may get on board the ship, which is going to require more time. Morgan says, I understand. And then Thrawn says, for the Empire. And then the Great Mother is now turned to Morgan and exit with Thrawn after looking at her. And she knows... Morgan herself is going to have to buy time for Thrawn. And Morgan says for Dathomir, bows and leaves. The door explodes and more stormtroopers are charging in behind Ezra, Ahsoka, and Sabine. Ezra cuts down another door, trying to lock it shut to buy them some more time. And Sabine, Ezra, and Ahsoka reach the top of the stairs where they encounter Morgan with the green inflamed blade of Talzin. And Ahsoka tells Ezra and Sabine, to go she will handle morgan by herself despite sabine saying they should stay together and ahsoka reminds them that they must stop thrawn and which is ironic too because if it was anakin and obi-wan anakin would have said i'm taking him by myself and they were trying to take them all together so you can definitely tell you know ahsoka's taught sabine pretty well at this point and then morgan and ahsoka attack back and forth going blow for blow, and I counted, it was 31 attacks. This was sick, and there was like aerial strikes going on. It was a sick fight. And Morgan swiftly using her like aerial acrobats and, uh, and against Ahsoka's strength. Then we cut back over to Sabine and Ezra, and they're met by the dark troopers in like the next room, which is like this ancient room, the ancient room we've seen. And then the armor, um, despite the blast, uh, Sabine is hit, and then uh, and then Ezra uh, takes out his lightsaber, but they're both hit and knocked to the ground. And then Thrawn, cutting back over to him, he enters the cockpit of the ship with the Great Mothers and orders their departure. And Ahsoka, back over to her, hears the start of the engine ship while engaged in combat, combat with Morgan. And Morgan presses forward and continues to strike Ahsoka three times. And then back to Sabine, despite shooting the dark troopers in the helmet twice, one of the troopers punches her helmet off and holds her up above against the ancient stone tablets that are in the room. And the dark trooper engages in hand-to-hand -hand combat with Ezra, the other one, and kicks him to the ground after he's gotten back up again. And then Sabine, 
<clears throat> begins to get choked out from the trooper but uses the force before passing out to grab her lightsaber and ignite it right through the chest right through the trooper's head and sabine then fires at the troopers that are engaged with ezra and uses the force to grab his saber and then cut the trooper's head clean off and then now the stormtroopers are continuing to make their way up the stairs ezra and sabine get to the launch pad and realize that the starship has already departed and they are too late morgan continues to strike ahsoka and jumps over and does a spin kick and strikes down with both hands ahsoka however deflects the attack but is pushed onto the ground and as the stormtroopers are still charging in the room firing at ahsoka backing her up across to the other side of the entrance ezra then at this point in the other area tells sabine she can't make the jump to the ship where thrawn is but she argues that they can and sabine tells ezra that they will that he should jump across and she will push him up with the force so that he can get onto the spaceship ezra jumps and begins to fall but sabine launches him up with the force and it appears he didn't make it but with an extra boost he makes the jump and pulls himself up and then sabine shoots down the stormtroopers on the ledge near him and ezra waits for sabine to jump sabine hesitates because she sees ahsoka behind her deflecting blasts from stormtroopers as morgan continues her assault and then despite ahsoka's struggles sabine still runs towards the ship as ahsoka is deflecting blasts from troopers hitting <clears throat> hitting uh hitting at her and then morgan continues her assault on ahsoka and she strikes with the blade of talzin twice and then the second blow cuts the hilt in half of one of ahsoka's sabers then morgan strikes while spinning and ahsoka dodges and manages to, str manages to strike morgan on the ground morgan then side sweeps and spins while attacking to get on her feet and after four attacks morgan kicks ahsoka on the ground and the ship begins to move above them and morgan says your friends are dead and you will die here alone but sabine is still there and says not alone and begins firing at the troopers around Ahsoka and Morgan. Sabine cuts down six stormtroopers while firing at the other approaching ones, and Ahsoka continues her attack with Morgan and strikes four times that our attacks Morgan deflects. But they eventually engage in an interlocked roll, and they roll to the left, and Ahsoka kicks Morgan back, and they both stand and charge at each other again. Two strikes collide, and two of Ahsoka's attacks miss Morgan. Ahsoka downward strikes Morgan again and grabs the hilt of the blade of Talzin and shoves it into the stone floor. And then Ahsoka, holding the blade of Talzin in her lightsaber, backspins and delivers two strikes across Morgan's torso. Morgan collapses, dead to the ground. And then the great mother sense that Morgan is dead and informed Thrawn. And Thrawn says, she has done what was required. And Ezra watches Sabine and Ahsoka below as the ship departs. And the radio goes off on the dead stormtroopers and orders that the troopers are dispatched to the area. Ezra picks up the communicator, the radio, knowing where the stormtroopers are and keeps the radio. And Ahsoka and Sabine... Uh, hold off the remaining stormtroopers and run towards the cliff and thrawn commands 
the main uh, main fortress to be bombarded and put in open fire. And the starship fires down on Ahsoka, Sabine, and the fortress as the stormtroopers are firing at Sabine. So now you have this massive, just Thrawn gives no fucks here. <laughs> like, what have you got to do to kill these motherfuckers? And uh, it's raining down upon them, all the uh, laser blasts. And Sabine and Ahsoka jump and they land on Ahsoka's ship that Hu Yang has gotten back up, back into piloting. And the fortress begins to collapse behind them. And Ahsoka's ship launches towards the starship as the fortress collapses behind them. And Hu Yang diverts all the power to the engines in an effort to catch the starship. And Thrawn is informed by his droid pilot that the Jedi ship is closing in on them. And Thrawn commands that they open the channel so he can communicate with Ahsoka. Thrawn appears on Ahsoka's radio. Ahsoka Tano, allow me to command you on your, commend you on your efforts today. You have been quite the worthy opponent. I regret we haven't met face to face. Perhaps now we never shall. Still, I know you because I knew your master. I concluded your strategies would be similar. One wonders just how similar you might become. Perhaps this is where a Ronin such as you belongs. Today's victory is mine. Long live the Empire. And Thrawn's ship blasts into hyperdrive, and the engine bursts and hits Ahsoka's ship, electrifying it, making it stand in a standstill from the shockwave. And Thrawn has escaped. And Ahsoka and Sabine arrive back with the Nodi crabs. And Shin Hati stands on a cliff, riding on a howler, and ignites her saber above the nomads. Balin's skull stands on the cliff of ancient kings and is looking out on the mountains. And the starship begins to approach Dathomir. A spaceship lands at General Hera's base, and a stormtrooper begins to exit the landing bridge. As Hera and her men begin to draw blasters, not knowing who this person is. And then the stormtrooper has Thrawn's troopers on the other end. The stormtrooper has Thrawn's troopers' gear. And a droid recognizes him, and he removes his helmet in front of Hera. And it's Ezra Bridger. And Ezra has finally made it home after all this time. And Ahsoka tells Sabine, Thrawn got away. And thanks to her, Ezra got home. Ezra is where he needs to be and so are we. It's time we move on. And Sabine begins to notice something. She begins to tell Ahsoka, but says it's nothing, just shadows in the starlight. And Ahsoka notices something as well. And Anakin's ghost watches them both and gives a small smile, and the series closes out. What are your takeaways for the final episode of season one of Ahsoka? Well, I wouldn't say the series closes out. I'd say the season closes well, out. Season closes <laughs> out. Yeah, I'd say it's a very well, perfect season, not man. The series, That's a, right? be tough if that was like the only one that they came out with, right? But no. Uh, in any event, I thought that it was. A good episode. I thought it was fun. It was engaging, and it was one of the episodes where uh, it brought everything to a head. You know, uh, just to start out the episode with uh, them trying to delay Thrawn from leaving. The the whole zombified stormtroopers. Every time they they cut them down, they just kept coming back with the spells that the witches were doing. I thought that was pretty unique. Something that 
we haven't really seen from a, a Star Wars franchise before. So, you know, you're mixing in some new, new stuff with, you know, the old things as well. I thought it was also pretty cool that we got a charged up Morgan Elsbeth. They, the, the witches decided to grant her some level of power and she's got this cool sword that can battle lightsabers without breaking, actually even cut one of the sabers hilts off itself. Thought that was pretty interesting. The the pr- progression of Sabine's usage of the Force. This is what I was talking about last week. How she's gradually come along in the way, and now she was able to boost Ezra up from falling down a big chasm of open space. Like that, that's worlds in a way better than what she used to be when she couldn't have. She didn't have any sort of usage of the Force at all. And she was able to go from nothing to something pretty significant like that, boosting whole human over an empty space, so that way he could get to where he needed to be. I thought it was cool too. A uh, little, little cheesy where he, like, Ezra Bridger ends up on the ship, and Sabine decides not to come because she was supposed to jump after him, and he was going to pull her using the force. So she pushed him using the force, and he was going to pull her as she jumped to get on there as well, but she decided to stay with Ahsoka. You know, that, you know something that's pretty predictable, but still, uh, it made you feel good, I guess. And we have, like, the really cool battle choreography with Ahsoka and Morgan. I thought that was interesting. It was fun. Sabine coming back at the at the right time to help out with the troopers around it, so it wasn't such a huge mismatch. Still was, you know, that was what maybe twelve to fifteen against two. Still not great odds for them, but at least it made it more realistic in a way, I suppose. Uh, to really make it so the the two focal points again were Morgan and Ahsoka during that battle and. The other troopers couldn't really interfere because imagine you know you got 15 against one. At some point, some of your guys' blasters while she's trying to deflect blows from Morgan, and something's going to hit her, you know. So I, I, I thought it was not actually believable, but I do think that it was more realistic when you add someone else to help Ahsoka on the side of that. And then again, we we get to see how how. Uh, in tune with the force Ezra Bridger is like when he's trying to seal these doors locked shut after the troopers come back there I thought that was pretty cool so he's got yeah we need to learn more about this guy I hope at some point we're gonna get some level I don't want to say like a full backstory or anything like that I don't, we don't need a series on Ezra but at least get an idea of who he was and maybe how he was trained by Canon Jarrus and what ended up happening the sequence of events that led to him able to remove Thrawn from their galaxy and go with him to the other one kind of getting want to get an idea because I have a strong feeling it has to do with some utilization of the force that you know I don't really know very many people even it's hard to even say Ahsoka you know it it seems that he might have a better uh, grasp and mastery of the force than she does but again that's just speculation Uh, like I said I would like to see some more of what he is and what he's able to do and a little bit about how he got to where he is today and then yeah i thought we get to see even more of thrawn 
talking about the acceptable losses. Uh, okay, yeah, we, we, we did what we needed to do. We delayed them, especially after like the starships, the TIE fighters went down. He's like, look, they're, they're delayed. We need to prepare for a, a foot assault there. So he knew, he had a feeling at every step along the way that they weren't done, that the good guys weren't done. Ahsoka, Sabine, and Ezra, he's, and he's ended up sending a bunch of troops after them right out into the open field to attack them on foot. So he, like, he was, I want to say one step ahead, but he was definitely prepared he would never at one point that he like we've already we've said this about Thrawn a lot. He doesn't underestimate his opponents. He's just gonna assume you keep surviving and you keep fucking coming forward and he just always got a plan for it no matter what. And to Ezra, Sabine, and Ahsoka's credit, they were able to withstand everything, but and to Thrawn's credit, he was still able to get off the the planet. But little do you know Ezra went with him. And so that's going to be a cool thing, too. Now we're going to see Ahsoka and Sabine. I think we're going to get an, a really cool moment of some very, you know, when you're training along the galaxy, there's people that you know, and there's there's missions to accomplish, there's things you need to do. Like You're kind of too busy to really hone in and focus on becoming a better version of yourself. Now that Sabine and Ahsoka are stuck on this planet with really no way out, because of course Ezra is going to be able to get to them eventually, show Hera uh, or whatever, whoever is going to utilize the next spaceship of where they need to go in the galaxy to find them. Someone's going to come and get them, but it's probably going to take some time. And in that time, they can really utilize the the quietness and the and the open planet to better themselves, to train harder. And of course, keep in mind. There's still two people on that planet with them in Shinati and Balin Skull that they don't even know are there. So there's going to be a few things that are going to be in the workings, and I think that's pretty cool. So overall, I thought the episode was good. There was action. It didn't take away. There was no huge plot holes or things where I'm just like, oh, what the fuck? This is stupid. You know, there are some there are small things here and there where I'm like, all right, well, you got to convince me on it. I don't really think it's believable, but it is what it is. At the end of the day, it's a fantasy fiction, science fiction show. So I've, not everything's going to be believable, but in a way, I think the best part about some of these things is how they can make it believable, even though you know it's all fiction. And I, I like I said, there was only a few instances in this episode where I was like, ah, that's a hard sell, but whatever. You know, like last week when I talked about how they pinpointed Ahsoka's exact location, but they couldn't do that for Ezra. That that bothered me. But there was nothing that significant or that blatant in this episode to where it really, like I said, bothered me so much that I wanted to make a point of it. I would say, overall, one of the better episodes in this season. You know, and we'll talk about it next week in the rankings of exactly where it went, but I would put it in the top half if I'm going to just give a generalization right now. Pretty good episode overall, man. I don't know. What are your takeaways? Yeah, I thought it was a, it was a straight fun episode is what it was. Like, you didn't have to think too much. The choreography and the lightsaber fight with Ahsoka and Morgan was fucking badass, uh, especially with the aerial acrobatics. I thought it was cool. Like, the Blade of Talzin... I guess that's what it's called. I uh, thought it was, I mean, very interesting. I didn't see that coming out of nowhere. I guess we're just making weapons now that compete with lightsabers because now we have, you know, the Mandalorian saber, whatever you call it, uh, the dark saber, and then now you have the bladed Talzin. So it makes me wonder what other weapons are out there that can compete with lightsabers because originally... We thought that was, like, the ultimate, right? Like, cuts through anything. And now we have, like, witch's blades that compete with it. 
So that was cool. Um, in the end, I mean, it, it ended how I, not the cameo I was talking about, but in the end, uh, it ended like the way I thought it would with Thrawn getting away. And it definitely left a lot of questions for the future, uh, especially with Balin Skull and Shin Hati still in that area. And, you know, they gave the audience what they wanted. You know, we wanted to see Anakin at least one more time, and we did, which definitely brings up some more questions. So, overall, I thought it was a fun episode. I, I thought it was great. I didn't have a problem with it. I thought it was really cool, like the stormtroopers being brought back to life. I didn't see that coming. Uh, <laughs> so, I didn't, didn't see that coming at all. So, that was interesting. But, overall... Uh, it was just one of those really fun episodes that kind of kept you on the edge of your feet. Like, nothing you really had to think too hard into, but it was cool to see. And, of course, we got to learn a little bit more about Ezra um, with, you know, who trained him. But at the same time, they learned that Daddy Hugh Yang <laughs> has uh, some years on him. So it was pretty cool, man. It was good stuff. What other thoughts you got? No, I, on the terms of the takeaways from the episode i think that that really did it justice i think that you know we're both on the same page of we enjoyed it it wasn't the greatest episode we've ever seen in a star wars franchise but it certainly was above average you know and it is yeah. some of the battle scenes that we've seen probably will stick out the soka versus morgan Elsbeth was pretty cool and that may have been the highlight action wise of the episode and to your point too, the whole nostalgic ending with Anakin's, you know, force spirit uh, visible to the naked eye, and him, you know, almost like approving of Ahsoka and and Sabine being there on their own, and when Ahsoka's saying we're exactly where we need to be, it's like she's trusting the process, and it seems like he approves of that. So that was really cool, actually. So I, I do think that the episode was was good. I think their takeaways really covered much of of what it represented and yeah man i don't know what do you got for your debates today yeah so i got a, a couple of them so the first debate i have let's just kind of piggyback on since we just brought up anakin so we can get this one out of the way so we don't always talk about anakin every time we mention ahsoka right uh with anakin's ghost that's there uh big question here is one, do you think we did this just to kind of give us a final resolve with Anakin? Do you think we'll ever see Anakin again? And Ahsoka will ever try to, you know, reference him as a guide, as we've seen with Jedi in the past, where they come back as the blue ghost? Do you think that was just kind of to try to give us some nostalgic resolve with Anakin, where we might not ever see him again? Also, it makes me wonder, because in the Obi-Wan series, where Darth Vader, you know, Obi-Wan cut Vader's helmet, and Obi-Wan said, wow, my friend is truly dead, was Anakin never really Darth Vader? Is Darth Vader an entirely different person, and Anakin's actually the Anakin we grown to love before he went, you know literally a wall <laughs> um is that anakin actually dead since we see him as a ghost is he like did he actually maybe that's a, really a different person in a way like that's anakin but that's like the dark anakin that took over that has no remembrance of the original anakin since he's a ghost i know that's a very deep one but what's your thoughts on that 
So to start with your question, if I think we're going to see Anakin in any capacity going forward, or if this was a sort of, you know, a closure moment, and that's the last we'll see of him, I I, I definitely think that we're going to see him more, whether it be in flashbacks in the future seasons of Ahsoka, maybe she thinks back on times when they were training together, and there's more lessons that she can learn, or or at least uh, remember, and take away from from that i think i just i think there's too much money in it for them to to move on from anakin entirely at this point i think there's going to be references to him i think we'll probably see some on-screen appearances whether they be in flashback form or similar to how we just saw him at the end of this season where he's like in the spiritual realm and is able to almost oversee things and, and we this isn't the first time we've seen this at the end of the obi-wan series we saw the same thing with qui-gon jinn and him and uh obi-wan were having a great old discussion as they were traveling off into the desert you know so i i don't think this is the end of anakin i don't think that this is a conclusion well, well i believe we will see him in the future uh, i obviously i don't think he's gonna be the focal point and i don't think there's a reason for him to be the focal point he's gone and we're moving into the future but I think he's such a, a household name that it would it, there's just too much money in it for him to just disappear and we're done speaking about him entirely. So to answer that part of the debate, I believe that there's still more from Anakin to come. I just couldn't tell you if it's going to be like in flashback form, in spiritual form, or whatever way. I just don't think we're done with him yet. Now, to the other part of what you were discussing asking about if Darth Vader was almost a separate person from Anakin. I don't necessarily believe so. I believe that Anakin made peace with everything when when he had the huge battle with Luke and Luke was able to gain the upper hand and, and Vader or Anakin, however you want to call him, was able to come back into himself. I just I believe that Vader was the worst parts of Anakin. I think it was the the most desperate and desolate parts of who he was. So I definitely think it's the same person. I just think he was able to make peace with the fact of look, I've done all these bad things for so long. Let me come back to how this was supposed to be because at the end of that, you know, I, he did end up throwing Palpatine down that shaft and Palpatine was supposed to be dead. Of course, you know, we saw how the sequels handled that bullshit. But <laughs> <laughs> in any event, I I think upon that act of him, quote unquote, bringing balance to the force, he was able to return to the the best of himself. And so I think uh, his all of his bad actions and stuff, you know, just because he, you know, created that level of chaos and harmed so many he that doesn't just go away but i think making peace for it and trying to rectify he was able at least to to move past the worst version of him that's what i think vader was i think vader was the darkest deepest most desolate aspects of himself the person who was uh insecure vulnerable thinking that he was helpless couldn't do anything else and so he had to be this bad person because everything he cared about was gone you know his his who he viewed as his brother is turned not turned against him but 
you know, wouldn't follow him on the path that he was going. He lost, they weren't, I don't know if they were, yeah, they were secretly married, right? He lost his wife and doesn't know his children. And so he was, you know, turned into this monster through his own actions and through the viewpoints of others and how Palpatine also uh, presented him. So he just, he became the absolute worst, darkest parts of himself. And I think that at the end, he was able to come to peace with, what he wasn't able to control and did what he could to rectify and make things right. And because of that, we get the best version of Anakin as the spiritual guide that he is today in the Ahsoka series versus, you know, who Darth Vader was in the physical realm. That's my thoughts on it. Uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I, for the first part, I really hope we do get to see Anakin again. Uh, in a way, it makes me kind of think maybe this is like kind of the resolve and they would try to move, definitely try to move forward with that where it's more focused on Ahsoka now so people aren't just captivated by the nostalgia. But I think we will see him at some point. Like, I don't think it's going to be like a major role. Like, I kind of think, you know, that episode five we had is probably the most in full that we'll see him in the future like it'll probably be sporadic moments yeah like flashbacks or yeah he'll just kind of sit there like that ghost thing and just consult her like in her darkest moments or something when she goes through her struggles to the second part of that see it made me think at first like maybe he was actually like so far gone like that Anakin died (laughs) like from like you know, given in to the dark side with Palpatine. But yeah, you brought up a very good point about how he came back in his resiliency with Luke and through Palpatine down that tunnel, because that wouldn't have happened if he wasn't there at all. So yeah, I think um, I would say probably in the Obi-Wan series, maybe he was the farthest gone that we've seen. Uh, just from the pain that was there and feeling abandoned from Obi-Wan. But yeah, I guess I tend to agree with you. He has to still be there because otherwise that moment wouldn't have happened. And uh, Luke would have just probably died because Palpatine would have killed him. (laughs) So, I mean, we won't forget, you know, Palpatine was electrifying the shit out of him (laughs) up there. And uh, it was was, just like we talk about on the show, it really truly was Anakin was the chosen one. Because even though people think it's Luke, it really was Anakin because Luke would have died and still lost if it wasn't for Anakin to save him. So, yeah, I would say he has to be there. Um, it is interesting, you know, seeing him come back as that ghost and like that dark side of him. I would really like there to be some sort of like moment in an episode in a future where maybe like Ahsoka and him reflect on that. And he says, like, it doesn't go into full detail, but he describes why Ahsoka shouldn't go down that road or something. Like, that would be interesting to see that come to light in some sort of fashion in some sort of episode or series. But just my thoughts on that. And then the other debate I had is with Balin Skull and Shin Hati, since they're still in that area, what do you think they're conjuring up? Like, what are their plans? We just saw Shin Hati last week run for her life. Like, like I mean, 
clearly she's still, you know, taking orders from Valen. But are they going to side together? Do they have some sort of scheme planned? What do you think their goals are with staying back there? I don't know if... I, I still think Shinati is like a sitting duck out of water. I don't think that... I think she's just blindly following orders at this point. Of course, they didn't... Attempt, they didn't even attempt to get off the planet, so you have to assume the plan was to stay there. And who knows if that even becomes the 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 quote unquote how Ahsoka and Sabine get off the planet themselves is utilizing something that Balin and Shinati find there. But I, I, it's hard to tell what their schemes are. It Balin said something interesting to Shinati. He said he was searching for the beginning. And this planet was supposed to be the land of madness and fairy tales or whatever they called it and coined the term. But I, it's, he's looking, I don't know if he's looking for some sort of ancient knowledge. I don't think it's necessarily like a power. You know, when I say power, I mean something that you can like grab and wield. Similar to those old works of literature, you know, the... Like, like, like even just think about like, like the gauntlet for Thanos with all the infinity stones that gives him abilities to do things. I don't think it's anything like that. Uh, or even, you know, the fountain of youth, you know, step in it or whatever and you get back to your best version of yourself. I, I just, I think it's maybe more knowledge and maybe a map or directions or uh, just instructions on how, how to kind of break the cycle of what, Balin in, continues to have an issue with where uh, a, a superpower rises to the top, ends up kind of being, I don't want to say evil, but because I, I, we've talked about this last week, evil is almost subjective in certain ways. Obviously, there's some things that are evil acts, but I think it's just, you know, the, the, let's just call it the empire because that is synonymous with the bad guys for the most part. So, you know this continuous cycle of someone rising to power in the empire them having dominion over the galaxy that they're in then you know there being some sort of resistance and a rebellion then the good guys overtake it and then somehow someone else rises to the top and breaks up the new uh, the, the quote unquote good guys the republic or whatever you want to say so it just seems like that cycle is continuously happening and he is aware of that so i think he's looking for instructions on how there's a way almost how Daenerys used to say she was going to break the wheel. I, I'm curious if that is something similar to what Balin's looking for. So that's what I think. I think he's looking for some secret knowledge or something that no, that is forgotten, something that no one even thinks about anymore. And the reason he remembers is because it's something he heard about back in the Jedi Temple that's now destroyed. And maybe he's one of the only ones that even has a, a memory of this ancient knowledge or power, whatever it might be. So that's what I think that his plan is, is to uncover this in... in obtain this knowledge or maybe it is some level of power but that's what i think he is there doing and why they didn't attempt to try to get off the planet they didn't even try to run to it or get to the ship at all like they were just balen was cool just chilling there because the last time we saw him it was after that second battle with ahsoka where she ran off of this howler and he's just chilling there like taking stock of the situation like oh oh well now on to my other plans did what i could you know so i don't i think that's kind of where he's at right now is he's he's trying he's exactly where he wants to be in search of ancient knowledge or ancient power that's what i think do you think um and just 
uh, to have you elaborate a little bit, uh, you answered that perfectly. But as far as because originally throughout these episodes, he has aided Morgan Elsbeth in getting Thrawn. So are you saying that do you think he really just used Thrawn's trying to rise back into power as a means of transport to get to the planet to find what he's looking for? Yeah, actually, in a way, I do. I think he didn't believe in that planet or in that galaxy. And then when he was shown through the star map that it could potentially exist, his goal was then to get to that galaxy, get to that planet, since you know it was almost like a rumor, like I said, a land of madness and fairy tales that no one truly believed. So then when he finally realized, okay, this is actually a real location, I need to get there. And I think at that point... He was using Morgan Elsbeth to make Morgan Elsbeth because she's the one that could utilize the star maps and had all the technology and the ships and and the ability to get them there once they found the coordinates and, and how to get to the galaxy. So she he utilized her and her knowledge and her resources to make sure he was able to get to the that planet. And after he got there, I don't think he gave a fuck what happened to them. I don't think he was super. Uh, uh, predisposed to making sure Thrawn returned. I don't think he was super predisposed to making sure he killed uh, Sabine, Ahsoka, or Ezra. He just wanted to get to that planet so that way he could find what he was looking for. Because like I said, he didn't even attempt to get off the planet. You know, They didn't try to run and realize they were too late. Nothing. Like He was just chilling trying to find that part of the cliff that he was looking at with the cool... Uh, stone carvings. He almost looks like the old stuff in the Lord of the Rings where they were going down that river and it was a stone hands. I put that up there. I thought that was cool. Maybe this is like something the Kings of Old or some shit, you know? So that's what I think, man. I think that he really didn't give a fuck what happened with Thrawn. I think he just wanted to get to that planet. So that's my thoughts. It makes sense. Yeah, my thoughts are he definitely has something up his sleeve, but I think it has to be something like I mean, it could be knowledge, it could be like a relic, it could be some reason he's there. I almost think, too, at some point, you're going to see some conflict with him and Shin Hati because we've seen in Sparses in this series, like when they were on the planet and, you know, the nomads were dead, Shin Hati was like, why are we even here? And then she just ran away last episode. So I wonder if they're even going to get into conflict with each other in the future and she doesn't agree like they're doing what they should be which makes me wonder like yeah can you really trust her but yeah i think uh i mean i think it could be i think he has a little bit something more to do with thrawn than just transportation but yeah i i do think he has his own plans involved and i think he's just gonna screw stuff up for everybody going forward i think he's gonna be one of those characters you kind of like forget about for a moment why everyone's doing their thing like they're focused on Thrawn and fighting him off and then you know he just entirely messes fuck shit up for everybody at the very end I mean we looked at it and Ahsoka couldn't beat him like we sit here and yeah Ahsoka got past him but his goal wasn't to defeat Ahsoka so when it comes down to the point where I think like his goal is actually in mind for what he's trying to get. I think they will try to stop him and I don't think they'll be able to stop him because they haven't calculated properly and even really taken him to account. Cause right now I think they're just kind of thinking about Balin Skull and Shinati as being just, you know, soldiers for Thrawn and Morgan Elsbeth. I don't think they even have any thoughts on to 
what their own intentions are. So very interesting to see where that goes. But what are your debates for the day, Jay Nelly? Yeah, just have one. And it's more of an observation that we can discuss. And it does, I don't want it to get wildly repetitive because I feel like we've discussed this guy's ability in battle. But this is just an observation that I wanted to bring to light here. So obviously Ahsoka got the best of Morgan Elsbeth before because at the very beginning of this season and series in its entirety, Morgan Elsbeth was in custody in like prison cuffs on a ship, a prison transport ship, because Ahsoka was able to defeat her and arrest her. So, you know, maybe that's because Morgan wasn't as talented, not as powerful in combat as Ahsoka. Fine. But then we come to this episode here and she gets like, supercharged up from the witches they give her some level of power they give her this sword that's on par with lightsabers and even still it's a it was a good battle it was a good fight but ahsoka was able at the very end to kill and defeat morgan elsbeth in hand-to-hand combat where yeah, and this is with Morgan Elizabeth charged up by the witches of Dathomir. Three great mothers gave her some secret power, and Ahsoka was still able to defeat and kill Morgan Elizabeth. Where she has now fought Balin Skull twice, and at no point in those two times did she look like she was actively defeating or beating him. So my question is, how fucking powerful is this guy really? Where, you know, he fought Ahsoka twice, and Ahsoka... The first time, got knocked off the fucking cliff. Yes, a lot of that was some dumb mistakes that she made. She grabbed the map. She only used one lightsaber. You know, she made her own mistakes and got knocked off. But then she came back after her training with Anakin in the purgatory area. And then she fights him again. Again, it's more contested and it's almost an even matchup. But we both agree that it didn't look like Balin Skull was using all of his ability to try to kill her. It almost is like he was just trying to delay her so that way his plans could take effect. So my question is, she couldn't even defeat him when he wasn't giving his full full throttle, but she was able to take down a fully charged Morgan Elizabeth that had witch's powers coursing through her at the height of her ability. And she's able to kill Morgan but not able to beat Balin Skull. So really, dude, like, if we're gonna, in, in this universe and at this point in time, where are we gonna rank Balin Skull's ability, like, in hand-to-hand combat? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, you gotta put him up there with the legendaries because if Ahsoka is being perceived as legendary and he hasn't even really, you can honestly almost say, like, he hasn't even really tried against Ahsoka. Because, I mean, even if you go into that last battle that we talked about a couple weeks ago, he was, if you really look into it, he was really just deflecting her and literally just stalling is all he was really doing. Like, he wasn't trying to kill her, which really makes you wonder, right? Like, if he achieves whatever he's trying to achieve, whether it's knowledge, a relic, whatever it is, you think Thrawn's a fucking problem? Like, this guy's going to be a fucking force. Not to mention, he is a mercenary, so obviously he's going to know other mercenaries. Whatever he is trying to accomplish, it's going to have some serious repercussions, whether it's for good, for bad. But it's I have a feeling like whatever he tries to accomplish, it's going to really change the entire perspective and outcome of where the trajectory of this show goes. Because I think right now, 
your ultimate villain is Thrawn, obviously. Grand Admiral Thrawn. I mean, we've seen the fucking force he has with Enoch and all of the, you know, I call them the bandits, the top stormtrooper bandits, the Green Berets, right? And you're thinking, man, like, how are we going to beat that? No one's thinking of the guy that if you really look into it, your top person here, your top Jedi has not been able to beat, <laughs> like, not even to a standstill, like, giving everything she's got, like, literally giving everything she's got, you can even take into, let's take into the first battle they had, where she gave everything she's got, <laughs> literally, it, it was to the point of, he was, he was trying, but he was just trying to hold her back, and she got her ass thrown off a cliff, so, <laughs> like when this guy gets what he wants like i don't know what you're gonna do i don't know anyone that can beat him besides anakin himself which he's not gonna come back for that anakin's the guy that's like live or die <laughs> fuck you man that's not my problem so i don't know i i i i don't know man i i would probably rank him to answer that question I wouldn't rank him above, like, Anakin, Luke Skywalker, Obi-Wan, Qui-Gon Jinn, any of those guys. But I think he's certainly a lot better than Ahsoka and Ezra Bridger. I think, like, it's almost like college to the NFL, like, kind of. I don't even know if you can compare it like that. Like, it's almost like he's on a so other level. He wasn't even breaking a sweat. So he has to be somewhere ranked in that, almost like that original jedi like level like i would probably rank him somewhere in that legendary jedi status but i feel like there's two statuses like there's legendary jedi just because of like word that's gone out about you and like the modern day legendary jedi like ahsoka and then you have like the old legendary jedis like anakin obi-wan luke all of that i would rank him somewhere in there but i would still rank him towards the bottom of that I don't know. What are your thoughts? I think in this universe where we're at today in the timeline, he's got to be near the top for sure. You know, you can argue that Moff Gideon might be up there because it did take both Bo-Katan and Din Djarin and Grogu to save them from the fire that was crashed into him. But Moff Gideon's pretty, pretty, uh, he's, definitely someone that they have had issues and trouble with in this same sort of timeline so you know Moff Gideon's up there but man what we've seen Balin Skull do in eight episodes has been pretty impressive you know he doesn't really take orders from anyone he does things of his own accord he doesn't try to answer questions to appease you a few times throughout this uh, season Morgan Elizabeth asks if he was scared he's like no it's just the truth and He's like, oh, is that sentiment? No, it's just a fact. Like, it, like you know, it is going to be a shame to kill one of the last Jedi that have been trained, you know, by someone from the original order. So he just doesn't care. He doesn't give a shit. He doesn't want to make you his friend. He's simply there to do a job, and he does it effectively. He gives Shinati orders, and she follows them. Yes, she did run away at the very last part, but again, I even defended her and said, fuck that. If all you guys aren't going to be there for me, I ain't going to be there for you. Y'all going to leave me to the fucking wolves, one against three of the best warriors that this generation has to offer? I ain't fucking doing that either. So point being is that, for the most part, 
Balen Skull commands respect from basically everybody, and then on top of that, he walks the walk. When he fought Ahsoka the first time, he knocks her off that cliff. And yes, there was a moment in there where Ahsoka had the upper hand, kicked him down to the ground. And if she would have just like sliced the, if she was just dumb. If she would have just sliced the map with her saber, probably would have uh, prevented a lot of this from happening. But like I said, I believe Ahsoka made a lot of mistakes in that first battle. But those mistakes led uh, that something that Balin capitalized on and led to. Him overtaking her and knocking her off the ledge. Then she comes back for round two, and she uses both sabers this time. And he still doesn't look... Like you said, he's not even breaking a sweat. He's fighting her to a standstill in a sense, where he tells her, you can't defeat me. And she even admits, she's like, well, perhaps not, but I don't have to. Because then she uses the little smoke screen thing from Hu Yang to you know distract him for a couple seconds and runs off on his howler. But in terms of hand-to-hand combat, she definitely didn't defeat him. You know what I mean? <laughs> and if she if she's can't do that, but she can defeat Morgan Elizabeth, who's been charged up by the witches here and has this secret hidden power, it, and she's still able to overcome her, but not able to really defeat Balin in any sort of way or capacity, it just really goes to show this dude is a problem. And then to your point, man, if he finds what he's looking for and he is able to accomplish his goals there, man, someone's got to help you from the from somewhere else. Yoda's got to come back or something, man. I don't know, dude. Like, <laughs> like, like something's going to have to happen. They're going to have to do some spirit bomb type shit where everyone in the force realm has to hold hands together and try to like, push some, some power on from the spiritual realm to the physical realm because that that dude's going to be a motherfucker if he accomplishes what he sets out to, man. And that that's my thoughts on it. Yeah, man, it's... It's very interesting. I really want to know what he's looking for. I mean, this is kind of out of left field, but it made me think with these crossovers that are happening with Mandalorian and Ahsoka, and now you have like Jedi Mandalore. I don't know. Maybe he's looking for another Grogu. I mean, they were looking for the child. I mean, I don't know what he's looking for, but whatever it is, it's going to have a significant impact. Um, and I don't know. I don't know how you... You got to get Luke. I mean, we know he's out there. That's all you got. <laughs> like, that's all you got, man. Like, that. that's it. Like, I, I feel like that's the only guy that could probably compete with him who we've seen between... In this timeline, in this universe right now. It, it, do you have any thoughts on who could compete with him if he was at his peak? Like, peak against peak. That who it, could compete with him? That's alive right now? The only one I could think of would be Luke. Because I was going to say maybe Canon Jarrus, but they make it seem like Canon Jarrus is dead. Um, so, yeah, honestly, realistically, it would be Luke. And that would be one hell of a battle. Balen Skull, who, let's just say he's accomplished everything he's set out to do and he's got the full knowledge or the power or whatever on top of his abilities that we've already seen on screen. That motherfucker against Luke, that would be a battle for the ages, man. That would be fucking <laughs> sick. Uh, but, yeah, that's the only individual I can think of that would probably have a chance to defeat him unless you know they have ahsoka do some dragon ball z type shit and go to a hyperbaric chamber and and train 10 years in three days and come out you know in this new evolved version of herself or maybe she you know takes that time on the planet herself and gets herself right but i don't know man i i think that realistically from what we've seen unless it's going to be a total cop out and they're just going to have Ahsoka prevail because the good guys always have to win at the end the only person I see that could handle Balin Skull right now let alone if he accomplishes what he sets out to do would be Luke Skywalker 
Yeah, uh, same here. Yeah, man, any closing thoughts for the day? No, not at all, man. Let's go ahead and, and, and get on out of here. So, folks, if this is the first time that you've heard us, we hope you enjoy what you've heard today and stick around. If you've been with us since the very beginning, thank you for continuously being the shields that guard the realms of fantasy. In terms of where you can find us online, we are on all the social sites. We're on Instagram, at official Ridiculous Patronus. We're on TikTok, at Ridiculous Patronus. We have a backup Instagram, at fact underscore or underscore fantasy. Backup TikTok, at fact underscore or underscore fantasy. We have a Facebook fan page as well, Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy. You can find us on YouTube at Ridiculous Patronus. We're on Twitter at RP Factor Fantasy, Snapchat RP Factor Fantasy. And we do have our own site as well, ridiculouspatronus.blogspot. Dot com. So please go check out those sites, click like, follow along, subscribe, leave star ratings, leave written reviews. All of the audience engagement is super helpful to us here on the show. And where you can listen to the show, if you have an Apple device, you can find us on Apple Podcasts. If you have an Android, you can find us on Google Play. We're also on Audible. We're on iHeartRadio. We're on Amazon Music. We're on Stitcher. We're on ACOS. We're on our own host site, Podbean. Wherever you get your podcasts, Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy are there. We are out for the day because this has been another ridiculous production. Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy signing, signing off. off.